Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders, breaking down another week of golf action from a DFS perspective. And uh, we've got our first high profile tournament of the year. Call it a major if you want. Do what you will. It's the Players Championship, the fifth major, whatever uh, you know, uh, terminology you want to use to describe it. It's basically got the feel of a major. And we've got huge prize pools out there in DFS this week. So it should be a fun one for us to break down over the next 45 minutes or so. I am Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. Uh, we'll be hosting the show as usual for you here. And uh, I've got my usual co-host, Mr. Notorious, Derek Farnsworth alongside me. And Noto had a very solid week with a uh, top finish there on DraftKings. Uh, for a cool five-figure payday. So, Noto, congrats on the uh, nice week there with uh, with Bay Hill, and uh, you you held on despite all the uh, the bogeys in that tournament there. Yeah, uh, as you know, I don't really sweat it live, so I knew who I was cheering for heading into the day. Um, that was by far my only lineup uh, that had a chance. So, uh, I had them all start, and you know, was kind of sweating all the putts down the stretch. And yeah, Kirk made a long one. Um, Horschel made uh, you know a bunch of long ones down the stretch. So. I ended up taking second in the smaller $20 GPP. And uh, I looked and I, I was debating between, you know, that one and the one that was paying 200 grand for first. And uh, I would only won like a hundred or 900 bucks on that one. So i um, definitely glad I joined the smaller one. Um, I went on a, a different show last week saying, you don't always have to chase the biggest prize pools. You know, sometimes entering the, the smaller field stuff uh, can pay off. And uh, it certainly worked for me last week. So a um, little bit of luck involved for sure, but uh, I will take it. Well, congrats again. It was a solid week. I, I told uh, Noto before the show that he, uh, he peaked a week too early, but he said he's still on the rise. So uh, we'll see if that, uh, that comes true uh, this week. So uh, still kudos on a, a good week. It's never a bad, uh, never, a, never a bad thing when, uh, when those weeks come about. So, uh, if the heater, uh, rides into another week, this is a good week to, uh, to have it. So, uh, you obviously hit on, uh, some plays last week, some good stuff in the, uh, the content. So, uh, we're a couple of those big keys to that, uh, that winning lineup there. Yeah, I had, uh, Fitzpatrick who, you know, made every putt on Sunday. I think he gained like five strokes putting. And then Horschel, uh, who else was on that lineup? I had two two guys that weren't very good, Pendrith and Lonto. 
and then two other guys in the top 10 um, escaping my memory right now. So apologies to those two golfers for helping me out and me not uh, giving them any credit. <laughs> no, you move on, right? You just got to move on right away to the next week. So uh, anyway, it was, uh, it was an interesting tournament. Uh, I think I tweeted it on Sunday that Fitzpatrick only had like five birdies the whole tournament uh, made a couple more down the stretch. I think he finished with seven or something like that, but uh, still to finish in the top 10 with only seven birdies is pretty impressive stuff. Uh, and that just goes to show you how difficult the course was playing, particularly on the weekend, uh, the Sunday round, the course averaged about three and a half strokes over par. Uh, Rory was, you know, lamenting the, the course setup after the tournament, which, um, you know, who knows, maybe he was just a little frustrated by not finishing the way that he wanted to after a really good first round, but uh, it, whatever the case may be, the course played really difficult with some wind uh, and the fast greens uh, on the weekend. And so the, the guys who were able to hang on and make pars uh, were, were definitely ahead of the field on Saturday and Sunday. So um, other takeaways uh, from the event for you. How about Gary Woodland? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, great call on Gary, back-to-back -back weeks, back-to-back fifth-place finishes. So, um, I mean, it was good, uh, although he kind of blew it there at the end. Uh, I thought he got kind of lucky um, with his lie on 17. You know, it came out of, um, you know, his fried egg and then didn't roll back, you know, into the into the bottom part of the bunker. So he had an upslope, and he just uh, pulled an amateur move, just gave up on the shot and couldn't get out of the bunker. So, um, yeah, it was uh, frustrating to, to see him not get the job done, but uh, obviously ended up helping me. Uh, my other two guys were Kirk and obviously Scheffler. I, I don't know how I forgot about Scheffler um, in that lineup. But, yeah, it was a good tournament. I do agree with a lot of what the players were saying um, in that every shot was just going over the green into the thick rough. And uh, I'm fine with thick rough around the fairways. I do think, you know, placing a premium on hitting the fairways, you know, is certainly important. But when you're having a lot of good iron shots that just aren't holding greens, um, I'm sure it can be frustrating for those guys because it was frustrating just to watch on TV. So I get it. But at the same time, it's fun to see these guys struggle every now and then. Um, you know, it's a lot better viewing experience for me, um, the average golfer, than, you know, seeing the Tournament of Champions where the winner's 37 under par. Yeah, a great point on those uh, shots rolling through the greens and then becoming difficult up, up and downs, uh, which obviously frustrated a lot of the, the top golfers. And you look at, you know, three and a half strokes over par as, a, as an average for a round. Uh, that's uh, not something you, you usually see in anything outside of a U.S. Open or an extreme uh, weather, you know, draw one way or the other, uh, which it's, I mean, it was windy, but it's not like it was off the charts, you know, wind blowing balls off the green and stuff like that. Like Paul Casey shot an 83 on Sunday. <laughs> 17 uh, over on the weekend. <laughs> that's not great. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it just, it was wild. Um, I had one lineup with a shot that had Lee Westwood, um, who was four under on Saturday on through eight. So he was four under Saturday through eight and then uh, played eight over, over his last 10 holes. So, you know, it's just a weird stuff like that, that happens when the, the scoring is, uh, is difficult. And that's what we saw. Uh, last week in a week where there were a ton of six to six lineups. I mean, that was, uh, that's the highest six to six percentage we've seen in, I mean, ever, I, I don't know. It was, it was like 30 some odd percent. 
Yeah, it was really high. And uh, I had well below the field in my six to six percentage. So I wasn't feeling too good heading into the weekend. Um, but yeah, that was pretty wild. There wasn't a lot of chalk that missed. Uh, my main lineup, I think I had Ortiz that ended up finishing almost last. We talked about him a bit and he just had no shot the entire tournament. But yeah, that was strange to see so much chalk get there. I can almost guarantee it won't get there uh, this week. Yeah, and I hate to be a Debbie Downer here with everybody being so excited. It's Players' Championship Week, and uh, this is a great event, great golf course. The weather looks awful, um, which is really, you know, strange for Florida. You usually, you know, you get thunderstorms on and off. Um, but Thursday and Friday is like 90% chance of storms. And so it, it tripped me because I saw somebody in the chat ask about a weather draw advantage, and this is going to be impossible to peg because we don't know when they're going to play and when they're not, there's almost undoubtedly going to be delays uh, given the forecast. I mean, unless the forecast is completely wrong, which seems unlikely um, th th there's going to be some delays in this tournament. So uh, it's going to be one of those scenarios that, you know, we can talk about you build lineups. If you're building multiple lineups, maybe you stack each wave uh, you build some correlated tea time stacks to try to take advantage of if there does happen to be a potential edge, uh, but I do think that trying to to peg that is going to be pretty much impossible because of the the likelihood of suspensions of play. So um, I guess as we um, start, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, if we do see some delays, I think, you know, we could see, you know, some of the first two rounds pushed into Saturday. And Saturday just looks absolutely miserable. Uh, 30 mile per hour gusts. So maybe the maybe the advantage is to target the Friday morning guys in hopes that they, you know, finish the round, even if it does get delayed, they finish, you know, Friday afternoon. And then the guys that, you know, went out Friday afternoon will have to finish, you know, in the, in the heavy winds on Saturday morning. That's really my only thought. But yeah, it's going to be crazy. Uh, and then on Sunday, it's like 53 is the high. So it's going to be cold. Oh, man, it's going to be crazy four days of uh, weather for sure. They'll have the parkas out in Florida at uh, 53. And 53 here, I'd be out shorts right now. Uh, but, uh, yes, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be wild after the, the rain moves through the first few days, uh, and it's going to get chilly. So, um, sure. Some golfers will have something to say about the weather and, uh, the, it's just not what you're used to seeing in Florida. It's not the open championship. It's the players. So, uh, in any case, that's, uh, something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, I like your point about potentially targeting that morning wave in the second round in the event that it gets pushed into Saturday, um, you know, unless the entire second round ends up getting yeah. pushed into Saturday, then you're not any better. I guess you're not any worse off either, but, uh, it's, it's just going to be tough to peg when they're going to play golf, given the current forecast, um, you know, 144 golfers, limited daylight hours. Um, somebody's probably going to miss a tee time because the clocks move forward on Sunday. There's another factor who's going to oversleep their tee time because the clocks move ahead. So many things to think about. Uh, but, uh, all right, let's start digging in. We Congrats to Scheffler, big week last week. Congrats to Noto, big week for him last week. But we got a lot to get here with the uh, the Players' Championship. And uh, why don't you uh, tell the people about the course? Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously everybody knows TBC Sawgrass. It's a P-Die design. Part 72 that measures a little bit less than 7,300 yards. And uh, there's going to be a lot of gettable holes. We've got four part fives. You've got a drivable part four. Uh, at least it's going to be drivable on most of the days, I would imagine. And then uh, the other holes, you just kind of want to hang on for dear life. Um, there's water in play on 17 of the 18 holes. So there's going to be a lot of birdies. And there's going to be a lot of landmines. Um, I would call it 
sort of a lesson driver course. You're going to see a lot of guys hit, you know, lesson driver off a lot of the tees, except for the par fives. Um, so I wouldn't be looking at distance. Uh, I do think, you know, good drive percentage will be important, something like that. I don't think you want to target driving accuracy because the longer hitters are going to be clubbing down anyway. Uh, but approach play will be critical. The greens themselves, pretty small. Um, they are Bermuda grass. So if you want to target guys that are good on Bermuda, certainly don't mind that. If you want to target guys that are good uh, in Florida, I think that's a good route as well. Um, course history here is pretty predictive year in and year out. Um, although you will see like, like Rory wins and then, you know, misses the cut. Um, same thing for Justin Thomas. I think he had a couple missed cuts before his win. And that's just due to the nature um, of so much water being in play. You're going to have a lot of implosions. You're going to have a lot of guys that just, you know, exit early. So um, just guys that are solid all around, I think is probably your best bet. But uh, this course definitely rewards good ball strikers. So if you hit good shots, you're going to be rewarded for it, unlike we saw last week uh, at the API. Yes, uh, good point. Lots of varying scores out there on this course from eagles to doubles and triples and uh, nines, you know, with the uh, with the water. Um, you're just going to see a lot of movement around that leaderboard. Uh, we have, a, have had some people in the chat talking about whether or not the overseeded Bermuda plays closer to bent grass than traditional Bermuda. Um, I wrote, you know, last year or the year before when they first moved this to, to the March date, Nobody really knows what kind of grass this course plays like. So I, I, I don't know the, the, the Bermuda bent grass splits. I tend to take a little bit more with a grain of salt at this tournament because of that. But uh, you got any hot takes on the grass debate here? So I heard one golfer saying that the, the greens are going to be, you know, as close to Bermuda as, as you can get. And then the overseed helps around the greens. So you're not going to get those grainy lies, those, uh, you know, really chippy lies around the greens. So, uh, that's just what one of the golfers said. It makes it a little bit easier around the greens, but I, I don't know what we can do with this info. I don't think, you know, targeting anybody specifically because of the overseeds can uh, really get us anywhere. All right. Fair enough. Uh, if you want to chat along with us during the show, we are uh, in the Roto Grinders discord and again all you have to do is be a roto grinders member to get into the discord and chat along with us you don't have to be a premium subscriber we'd love it if you gave us a try at rotogrinders.com and you can get premium access to all of our great golf content and all the other sports as well uh, but you can chat with us for free during the show rotogrinders.com backslash discord we are in the live stream chat channel which again is a free channel just got to get yourself uh, uh to the right place there uh, from the Roto-Grinders homepage or going to rotogrinders.com backslash discord. And uh, we'll chat along with you in that live stream chat channel. All right, let's start breaking down the golfers again, fun tournament, lots of golfers that we can look at this week. And uh, the, the, the pricing is pretty soft. So you'll get, uh, there's going to be a lot of players who seem underpriced and what this tends to do when it's consistent throughout the player pool is it tends to spread out ownership. Um, when there's plays that are, you know, there's only one or two guys that appear mispriced. That's when you get players that are 30 or 35% owned. You don't see that a lot in these softer pricing tournaments. And right now we've, you know, we don't have anybody above 23% in our Roto Grinders projected ownership on DraftKings. So worth noting that ownership will probably be spread out a little bit this week. And we've got our usual five golfers above 10 K on DraftKings. Uh, Rom, Rory, Morikawa, Thomas, and Hovland. And uh, four of us on Rotor Grinders that do the uh, conviction 
and core tags in lineup HQ, we've got four different guys tagged um, <laughs> among these top four. So uh, who are you liking? Uh, well, top five, rather. Uh, who are you liking as a couple of your favorites if you're starting at the top? Yeah, I guess pick your favorite uh, RG expert and just roll <laughs> with one of them. Um, naturally, Hoffman's going to be the one um, that ends up playing the best because he doesn't have a tag from any of our guys. But um, my favorite is John Rahm. Look, he uh, hasn't been in the best of form, but if you look at the results, T21 or better in six straight. And then you look at his last three events. He's gained 11.4, 9.4, and 11.4 ball striking. He's been terrible around the greens. He's been terrible on the greens which isn't something that, you know, we think of when it comes to John Ross. Here we so. lost Noto, maybe uh, producer. Dead. Sorry, I think that's me. Oh, okay. My apologies. My internet cut out for a second, so I apologize for cutting off, cutting you off there. It's hard to tell because I saw you were frozen, but I just thought maybe my internet went out too. So <laughs> I didn't know. Anyway, so he's gained uh, over 30 strokes ball striking in his last three events, John Ron. Um he almost won here in 2019. He kind of fell apart um, down the stretch. I think it was at part five. I want to say it was number 13. And his caddy was trying to get him to, to lay up out of the bunker. He tried to hit a, you know, big old draw around the tree. Didn't work. Then he just fell apart after that. So for me, I think he's the most complete player. I think he's trending in the right direction. I've never seen him gain 30 strokes ball striking in three events before. So I like him. No issue with Rory. Obviously played well again last week. He's won here before. Um, lives in Jupiter. Loves Florida courses. No issue with Morikawa, who I think uh, you tagged up, so I'll save him uh, for you. And then nobody's ever won the players back-to-back, -back, so I'll probably be underweight on JT. And Hovland, I just, man, I don't know what to do with Hovland. He looked so good last week, but then you look at his short game and his bunker play really let him down, so... Uh, these greens can be tough to hit at times. And if the if the wind is really going to pick up and everyone's kind of scrambling, I think, you know, that's going to be kind of going to be a struggle for Hovland. Yeah, they mentioned uh, late in the Sunday round last week with Hovland and his sand save percentage for the week was, I can't even remember what it was, if he was like two for 10 or something. Um, it, it wasn't good. And obviously his short game numbers are are, are pretty bad compared to, uh, pretty much everyone else up here. And like I said, if I'm going to go for somebody maybe with a little suspect uh, short game, I'll, I'll just take Morikawa um, who leads the tour in, in ball striking and, you know, is probably most would say the best iron player on tour when he's, when he's on. So, um, you know, some of these guys are starting to see this course for second time, third time, fourth time, uh, some of these younger guys. And, and I think that's going to, you know, create an advantage for them. And they're already some of the best players on, on tour. So uh, I like Rom as well. I, I think Morikawa is my favorite. And, uh, you know, I, I like uh, Rory at uh, single digit ownership. I think you can make a case for too. So um, hard to go against a lot of these guys, but I think given the, the weather um, and, and the fact that you're probably going to need to make a lot of six to eight foot par saves here this week, uh, I think Hovland is the odd man out for me as well. Yeah, and uh, the announcers last week, man, they were just dogging on Hoffman. Every time he hit in the bunker, they were saying, oh, he's not, there's, there comes a bogey. Mm -hmm. At one point, uh, one of the announcers said, oh, he just looks lost in there. I kind of felt bad how much uh, grief they were giving him. Although the same announcers also said the rough was eight and a half inches thick, and uh, I don't that, think that was the case. That's pretty thick. <laughs> <laughs> they said it was four inches when they cut it on Thursday, and then now it's eight and a half. I just, I don't think grass grows that fast. 
<laughs> that is eight and a half, man. That is uh, no wonder these guys are shooting three or four over par. Um, I don't think it was probably that tall, but uh, we'll leave that for the uh, landscaping experts to figure out, I guess. Um, any other thoughts on uh, this range? Otherwise, uh, let's uh, start moving down into the uh, the nine Ks and uh, Dustin Johnson. Man, he just continues to keep that high price tag. I'm surprised he's the one guy that feels overpriced in this field. But uh, I watch him go out and win. But uh, he's probably still an easy pass for me at that salary. Looks like your model agrees with that based on uh, what I can see here. But uh, your thoughts on the uh, kind of ninety five hundred to ten K golfers? Yeah, it's never good when uh, the model prefers Jordan Spieth over Dustin Johnson. Um, that just shows how, how expensive he is this week. He's never missed a cut here. He does play well on P-Dye courses, and he's probably going to be single-digit ownership. But, uh, yeah, I don't have much interest there. I like Cantlay. Just continues to play well. Um, 9900 is a pretty good price point. Uh, the back-to-back miscuts here is probably why he's not, you know, super popular this week. But, again, every big name um, other than a couple are going to have some miscuts here. So I like him. Uh, Xander's interesting. Um, he's kind of had some boomer bust course history here, but uh, I love the guys that just have a complete game. Um, if you have a bad day with irons, you can make up for it, you know, around the greens or on the greens. Guys that are just, uh, you know, just good ball strikers. If they have one bad round ball striking, they're going to be in some serious trouble. And so I like the guys that uh, are pretty good at everything. And, you know, Xander's one of those guys. I'm going to be off of uh, Spieth. I'm going to be off of Cam Smith. I do think Scheffler's interesting, though. I don't know what the motivation is going to be, but uh, he rates out as the second best play for me in the model. Um, and that's obviously doesn't include any any biases there. But everybody hates playing the guy coming off the win. And he's got two in his last three starts. So I could see a lot of people fading him, even though he rates out as a good point per dollar play in most uh, projection models. Man, I, I would think that uh, everybody's got to come hungry for this event even if you've just gotten yeah. a couple wins you know it's uh, uh basically like a major and and i think you know just in terms of salary he he's he stands out as a guy that given his recent play is a little bit too cheap so uh, i think i gotta keep scheffler in my player pool this week i didn't play him last week and uh obviously that uh, that came back to bite me but uh, uh shoffley is uh for better or worse in terms of the odds i think my favorite uh, pick to win based on on his odds he's around 28 to 30 to 1 to win which um, like his debut here I think he finished runner up and then he's missed the cut the last two times so like Noto mentioned earlier you just see that boomer bust nature with this golf course a lot uh, I, I don't have any concerns long term about Shoffley's ability to contend here so uh, I like him at 9700 with you on Scheffler at 9200 I'm out on Spieth, out on Smith, and out on DJ. Uh, don't really have a strong take on on Cantlay, so uh, that's kind of my thoughts on the uh, 9K range. Anything else for you in there? I wish I would have took this earlier in the week. Uh, FanDuel had Xander top 10 at plus 650 when the odds first came out. That's all the way down to plus 230 now. Um, so that was kind of a, a glaring mistake on their end, and. Uh, I got a little piece of it, so I'm hoping <laughs> hoping to take advantage of it. But, yeah, when I checked this morning to write up my bets for scores and odds, he was uh, plus 230. So nobody was able to get on it with me. But, um, yeah, just wanted to point that out. And then we did have a question uh, from Bogey Monster in chat. Um, since we got some extra time, he said, how many players do you recommend for a 150 lineup GPP in a, in a big in, or big tournament? 
Yeah, so not like 65. You don't want to you don't want to have uh, that uh, that heavy player pool. Um, even if you're building 150 lineups, I mean, having like one or two golfers in like two or three lineups just generally isn't the best way to go. I am more aggressive than most, and I almost always try to narrow mine down to to less than 25. Um, but that is probably on the low end of the spectrum. So where do you fall on that? Yeah, for me, it's more personal preference than anything. Um, you, I like your strategy because when you hit on your player pool, you're going to have a lot of uh, darts come Sunday. Um, I like to be a little more spread out. I just kind of want to have one shot <laughs> like I had last week. So I try to keep it around 40 um, golfers with at least 10% of each. You know, sometimes I'll play a 5% guy or something. But um, if I can get double-digit ownership on each guy uh, and keep it around 40, I feel pretty good. All right. Uh, I think both of those approaches certainly work. Obviously, uh, we've uh, both had success before. So uh, it's uh, it, it just the strategy. You can fluctuate in between those kind of uh, ranges, but uh, just try not to do, you know, 65 yeah. or 70 golfers that just dilute your your chances so much, um, you know, and you probably don't want to be all the way down to like 10 or 12 <laughs> golfers either. But, uh, you know, you can your mileage can vary in between there, but. Yeah, it's going to be a slow bleed if you're trying to play half the player pool every single week. Yeah. All right. And uh, Noto mentioned scores and odds. If you aren't familiar, scores and odds is our kind of sports betting arm here at uh, Roto Grinders. And uh, with sports betting coming to a lot of states now, we encourage you to check us out. Uh, we've got uh, expert picks analysis, cutting edge tools. I'm doing a golf uh, betting roundup every week now an article form on scores and odds so you can uh, you can check that out i've actually got this week started it'll be posted on a wednesday morning so we've got uh, everything you need to become a better sports better at scoresandodds.com uh, remote registration is back and active in illinois where i am and uh, BetMGM is now live in illinois so uh, you can uh, check that out and we've got a uh, promo code on the roto grinders front page uh, to get uh, some uh, free scores and odds premium access if you sign up to bet MGM in Illinois through the Roto-Grinders link that you can find on the rotogrinders.com homepage. So check that out. I did that myself and uh, you know, I already had access to scores and odds. I'm going to have to try to get the uh, powers that be to give me some other perk for signing up through the Roto-Grinders <laughs> link to bet MGM because I've already got the scores and odds access, but Anyway, that's another story, uh, but check us out scoresandodds.com. Noto and I both do uh, a lot of content for that as well. And uh, hopefully uh, give you some winning picks. I know Noto hit an outright a couple weeks ago and uh, I had the Gary Woodland top 10 bets on there the last two weeks. So uh, we've, we've made the people some money lately. Yeah. Love it. And uh, not just, not just golf either. You got every sport out there. And uh, not just, you know, totals and lines. Uh, some of the better prop guys in the industry uh, just posting tons and tons of picks every single day. Do you have a take on Hideki? I don't think we really talked about him that much. I mean, I don't know. I just, he feels a tad overpriced to me. No issue with him. He's got some good course history. Obviously, you know, he was leading the year that, uh, you know, COVID hit and it got canceled. And uh, a lot of people wanted to give him the, the win. Um I think he was 900 par after the first round, which is pretty crazy. So I have no issue with him. Um, if I go there, I'll probably have less than the 17% ownership that we have, Matt. 
All right, so let's go ahead and move down into the uh, the next range there. Um, I'm on record as saying I think Zalatoris is going to win a major this year. Yes, the putter with him is suspect as well. Yes, it cost him a win about a month ago, but the rest of his game is completely legit. Um, you know, I'll take a shot on his short game uh, coming around, you know, maybe in one of the majors and him being able to put it all together. Whether this counts or not, I'm going to count it if he does happen to win because, uh, you know, that that helps me prove my point. But uh, Berger seems like the chalk of the week, relatively speaking, at 8,800 in Florida. I'll put those injury concerns to rest a couple weeks ago. So uh, you still got, I mean, plenty of upside here with this range of golfers that we usually see in the 9K plus range. Ustez and Kepka, Finau, Neiman, Sung J.M., Adam Scott. I mean, all these guys are generally a little more expensive. So uh, who are a couple of your favorites in there? Yeah, very strong range. I like it a lot more than the 9Ks. Uh, Berger at the top, it's hard not to like him, even though he's going to be popular. He does feel, you know, $1,000 too cheap. A couple top tens here. Um, if you look at his numbers, he's actually first in this field in strokes gain approach over the last eight months, over the last uh, 14 months, if you want to go back to the start of 2021. So, I mean, better than Morikawa, better than Henley, better than Justin Thomas. So if you want a good iron player, um, I certainly don't mind looking there. He's also top 10 and good drive percentage. And we know he likes Florida. Um, so, yeah, I like Berger quite a bit, even at the high ownership. Love the Zalatoris call. Um, if you look at his numbers last week, he gained 6.4 strokes ball striking and just lost them all on and around the greens. So uh, I'll play him anytime we have these difficult courses. I like Louis Ustays in a little bit. Um, he is from California, or sorry, from Florida. My little man just walked up. Um, and you know, he's got a second place finish here. Um, he still doesn't have a win in America. Uh, I don't think it's going to come this week, but I do like his chances to you know, kind of be there in the mix. Um, the worse the weather gets, I think that kind of helps some of these European players. And then I'm going to be off of Brooks. I'm, is his ownership really going to be, you know, 18 to 20%? I do not think so. Yeah, I don't either. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I get it. He's, he likes these big events, but he hasn't played particularly great here. He's got a couple good finishes. So I'm off of Brooks, off of Finau. Uh, and then in the bottom of the AKs, I like Adam Scott quite a bit. Uh, he's made 13 straight cuts here. Um, he's playing well. He's gained 14 strokes putting in his last two starts. So uh, if he can keep that going with the ball striking, I like his chances to kind of be in the mix on Sunday. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I like this range. Uh, I think, um, you know, Zalatoris and, and Berger are deservedly the, uh, the, the guys at the top of it um, in terms of salary. I think they deserve to be there. I'm out on Brooks if that ownership is remotely close to right, but I, I do think that it will dip a bit. Um, I'm in on Ustays in a little bit at, at that ownership. Um, you know, I, I think you can make a case for Ustays in or even Finau as kind of your – uh, lower owned pivot play for GPPs in this range. I will probably have a lot of these players in my pool. Um, I will probably be out on Horschel to my own detriment again. Um, I, I, I don't know. He just did you right last week though. So I'm interested if you're going to be as, uh, if you're going to be as dialed in and, and dig the heels in on Horschel for the next couple months um, now that he's helped you win some money. I mean, we kind of saw it coming with the ball striking. He had relied on his short game for so long, and then out of nowhere, gained a bunch of strokes ball striking two events in a row. It was pretty good last week, too. Florida guy. Um, he's not going to make my main lineup that I put into everything, but uh, he'll definitely be in the MME player pool. 
I think another angle we can look at this week is guys who tend to play well in bad weather. Um, again, we're not used to targeting that in Florida, but the wind and the rain and the cold, cooler weather coming in, um, you know, Lowry is not a guy that I often go out of my way to target, but I, I did mark him up as a tournament play this week for many of those reasons. Um, obviously he should be a little bit motivated after kind of an untimely rainstorm, you know, in his words, cost him a win. Uh, a couple of weeks back, but uh, I think this is a nice spot for for Lowry at uh, pretty low ownership there at eight thousand exactly. So I uh, will uh, he'll be we'll bookend this range uh, with some of him at least in my player pool. Other thoughts? Anything else on the eight Ks that uh, we missed for you? Yeah, I love the Lowry call. And then what about Sung Jay? We didn't really talk about him much. Yeah, I don't really have a strong take on him either. Um, I don't know. He's been all over the place lately. 20th last week. Um, you faded a little bit on Sunday, but he didn't really play that much worse than field average. So for me, I just like so many of the others in this range better that I'm probably, it'll probably end up being one of my final few cut from my player pool, though. I haven't decided that for sure yet. So don't come after me later if he ends up being in there, but um I don't know. I, I don't really have that much against him. I just think the other guys are just a little better. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat. And I think heading into this tournament last year, he was like 20 to one or something. He was one of the favorites. Um, I want to say he was like high nine Ks. So who like him in Florida, um, but I'm with you. I don't know if I'm going to uh, end up having a bunch of them. All right. So let's go ahead and move down into the, uh, the seven K range. Um, Fitzpatrick, is going to stand out to a lot of people as seeming underpriced given the way he's been playing and uh, came back after an illness and, and, and picked right back up where he left off last week. So uh, again, upside plays in this range that uh, Hatton and Fitzpatrick both played well last week. Um, you've got guys with some history of, of upside like Leishman and Webb Simpson and, uh, and Sam Burns in this range as well. So your takes on the upper end of the 7K range. Yeah, I'll go back to Fitzpatrick for sure. Um, it doesn't feel great knowing that my three core plays are like three of the highest on guys of the week. I always hate when I just pick chalk, but uh, I at least had some some contrarian uh, conviction plays up as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Fitz, he's been in great form. Teach well for better in five straight. Top 10 here last year. Played great last week. He's just such a good putter, such so good around the greens that I think uh, in these conditions, it's really going to benefit him. Same goes for Hatton. And then I like Sam Burns. I'm hoping, you know, we get low ownership because he was almost dead last year, last year. And then he's missed three of his last four cuts. So I think, you know, he has winning upside. You know, he's got the complete package. We haven't seen a lot of it this year, but he did play well last week at the API. Um, just a guy with a ton of upside. So I'll definitely take a risk on him at 7,900. And then Abraham Answer is another guy that I like. A couple top 25s here. And the best player in the field on Pete Dye courses. Um, so I think that that's an interesting angle to take uh, if you want to do that. Who's that? Abraham Answer. All right. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. He's not uh, – we got him at 12.9%. He's probably going to, you know, be right in that range. And the ownership, I mean, there's not – going to really be any super chalk i don't think probably the rest of the way once we get below fitzpatrick 
uh, quick glance, I don't think we have anybody above 13 in terms of percentage owned. So uh, you don't have to worry about ownership too much once you get uh, get into this range. So um, agree on Fitzpatrick. I'm not sure where I'm going to come out on him just because of an ownership angle. Um, you know, it, it, he, he is kind of at the point where it worries me to fade him at that price a little bit, but uh, you got some pivots in there. Uh, I never uh, dislike playing Webb, so uh, i play some of him. I like Hatton quite a bit at 7,800, so you've got some pivots in there. Uh, you like any of the Aussies? Back to Jason Day coming off his withdrawal. Thankfully for you, that happened before the tournament last week. Yeah, um, it was injury-related. His mom ended up passing away, so um, maybe if we play the you know motivation angle, I mean, he's been in good form. He's got some great course history here. Um, I bumped him up 10% of the model, still rates out as a poor play, but that's always going to happen, <laughs> Jason Day. Uh, but yeah, I'll be on some some shares of him. Uh, Webb's interesting. I mean, is he, do we know what's going on with him? He's played one time this year. Um, he was set to tee it up a few weeks ago, ended up withdrawing. I don't think we ever heard why. Um, how come he's not playing any golf? I, I don't know. That's a, it's a really interesting question. And I hadn't seen that about Jason day. Um, that being the reason that he was out last week. So, uh, condolences to him on that, but I don't know. I haven't seen anything either. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I don't think anybody, I don't think 11% is going to end up being the case for Webb just because we haven't seen any of them, but obviously he's one year before great on the shorter Bermuda tracks. So yeah, I think he's interesting. I just don't know why he hasn't played a lot. Yeah, no, it hasn't been like this flow of news. Like we've known somebody like Charlie Hoffman, who's withdrawn mid tournament a few times. Um, I don't know, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll probably end up playing some of them usually do. I see you got, we've got a, you're going back to the well on Casey, huh? I mean, so prices came out um, before the weekend and everybody was saying how cheap Casey was 7,400 at the players and everybody thought he was going to be 30% owned. And then he just absolutely tanked. And that's probably the best thing that could happen for his ownership. So, I mean, if you liked him last week in the high eights, you should probably like him this week. He good course history fifth year last year kind of checks all the boxes that you're looking for. He's pretty underrated around the greens too. So yeah, I'll go back to Casey. All right. Um, I'll go back to Woodland. I'm going to keep going back to Woodland until that breaks. I, I'm a little bit worried about the finish last week and uh, whether that will, uh, you know, demoralize him just a little bit. But um, I don't know. I I got on him two weeks ago out of absolutely nowhere, and the dude's posted back-to-back -back top five. So we <laughs> cannot uh, – break that karma uh until he gives us a reason to so we're back to woodland at 7400 that's a given um connor's had a pretty strong week last week i, I think he's gonna rate out well for a lot of people wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the most popular plays in the lower part of the 7k range uh given his ball striking ability and again with him it'll come down to that short game um gooch is another guy who played well last week but faded on sunday um particularly on his front nine Cameron Young um, continues to be a guy that's getting a lot of ownership. And I asked last week uh, whether he's the real deal and uh, you know, he posted another 13th place finish. So um, if you've been on him throughout this run, you're kind of like I am with Woodland and you're just going to keep uh, rolling with it. So your takes on, uh, on this range. I do like Corey Connors quite a bit. I do worry that if he ends up uh, making the weekend and it's super windy, then he's going to have to you know scramble a lot. So 
maybe he goes backwards, but uh, pretty good course history. You mentioned the ball striking numbers are back last week. I like uh, so Tringali. I think it's ten straight starts now. He's uh, you know gone back and forth between a missed cut and a top fifteen finish, and he missed the cut last week. We seem to joke about it every week, but he's got to finish top fifteen, right? That's right. So at two percent, yeah, I'll take a top fifteen at two percent. Siwu is a little bit interesting. He's been a little bit more consistent over the last year of play or so. Obviously, got the P angle. Um, he's won here before, and that the year he won was really bad weather. So maybe he can tap into that a little bit. Um, I think Gooch is a good fit for the course. You mentioned Cam Young. I'll probably have a little bit, but it does feel like you know he's he's due for a bad week eventually. Um, and if it's going to be fifteen percent ownership, yeah, I'll, I'll probably be underweight on that. Um, other guys in this range. None that really stand out. Who else? Do you yeah, like? it starts to starts to get a little bare uh, towards the bottom end of the uh, the seven k range. Um, I oh, think Mitchell is remotely interesting after being the chalk last week that just kind of really detonated on the weekend. Um, where did he end up finishing? Let's see. He finished sixty first. Uh, lost 4.2 strokes putting on Saturday. So, you know, sometimes that happens with him, but uh, he was really popular last week and now nobody's, he was, you know, he's been eight, nine K the last couple of weeks. So uh, 3% Keith Mitchell and GPPs. I think this is a spot I can maybe get back on board with my old friend. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind that call. And uh, two plays in the upper or the mid sevens. So Sergio Garcia, he's made at least 12 straight cuts here, and he's won here. I think it was 2008 when he won. So he's interesting. Um, doesn't look like he's going to be too popular. And then Russell Henley's like should be the perfect fit for this course when you talk about fairways and irons and Bermuda putting, but he does not play well here. Do you have a take on him? Uh, I mean, I think I'm willing to put that course history aside a little bit. You can attribute some of that to the variance of the course. Um he'll probably end up in my player pool if I had to guess. I mean, I, I'm not rushing out to get him, but I think he's fine. He's not not like he's been in that bad of form either. Yeah, rates out is like the second best point per dollar play in my model, which is which is crazy. But uh, yeah, I'll probably have him in there, and I'm sure he'll do what he always does here. Well, that's the spirit. Um, <laughs> I'll, I I don't mind that call. Anything else above seven thousand? Uh, Alex Norm is interesting at 7,000, couple top 20s here, uh, two top sixes in his last three starts. He's another one of those European guys. It's a grinder. He's got a really good short game and the conditions get bad and everyone's having to scramble and you got to kind of give the edge to those guys that are good at it. So I have a question in the chat, SF Bay Chiefs asking about Leishman and Homa. You got to take their both 7,500. Leishman kind of fell apart last week and then he's been real bad here. So if I'm, I'm taking one guy in the seven Ks, it's been bad here. I'll probably prefer Henley. Uh, Homa, I, I don't mind Homa one bit. Um, he's just been playing some great golf, and I think it's a decent course fit for him. Yeah, I'm probably out on Leishman this week as well. I uh, I picked him to win last week, and it did not uh, did not end up well uh, for Leishman. And uh, don't really have much confidence in him coming to, to this course after struggling at a course that uh, was a really good fit for him last week. So would take Homa between the two myself. 
All right, let's move into the 6Ks where you're probably not going to see a lot of ownership because you're going to see people kind of dive uh, to, to the, that kind of mid-7K price range to, to round out their lineups, whether it's a Stars and Scrubs or a balanced lineup. Uh, the one guy that I had written up at uh, 6,600 is Lucas Herbert, um, a guy that I've kind of always had a little bit of a soft spot for. And last week, I mean, Herbert's four under round on Sunday. There were only four guys under par. Uh, Burns at one under, Matsuyama at two under, Hatton at three under, and Herbert at four under. Uh, and granted, he went out, you know, earlier than the leaders, but that round was seven and a half strokes better than field average. Uh, and yes, I mean, a lot of his performance uh, for the week was putting and his, you know, his uh, off the tee and approach numbers weren't spectacular, but he's playing with house money. He got in with a top 10, an epic backdoor top 10, and he's an Aussie. He always tends to play better in bad weather. Um, he won during the fall swing in Bermuda, you know, where it tends to be a little bit windy and now we've got rain and we've got wind and we've got cooler temperatures coming in. And we got a guy that had, you know, the round of his life compared to the field. And I think those are the players that are dangerous as punt level plays. I mean, yeah, the overall stats aren't spectacular. He's not going to grade out well in a statistical model sense. And you're not playing him in a single entry, but if you're looking for a tournament guy with some upside, that's probably coming in with some confidence. Uh, Herbert at 6,600, 1.3% ownership. He's my uh, flag planting uh, GPP guy. If you're looking for somebody in the 6K range, so um, that's my thoughts. Mito, I, I, I never mind uh, you know targeting a little bit of him at 6,700, but any punt values you like. Great sell on Herbert. Uh, wasn't on my radar prior to that, so uh, I'll definitely add him into the player pool now. Other guys I like, I think uh, Jonathan Vegas is interesting. Um, he was in contention the year Rory won, and a uh, really good ball striker. He's been making a lot of cuts recently. And then KH Lee's quietly made 10 cuts in a row, T41 here last year. Uh, Adam Hadwin's a guy that can get hot with the irons, get hot with the putter. And he's uh, much better on these shorter courses, so um, those are going to be my favorites. We really, what about Chris Kirk at 7,000? I mean, he's been back-to-back -back top 10s in Florida. Yeah, his and his round on Sunday was pretty wild um, with, uh, you know, the, the, the way that uh, he ended up finishing inside the top five. Uh, he missed a bunch of short putts and then made a bunch of long putts. Yeah. Um, it, it was really strange. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he feels a little underpriced at 7K, like, uh, and he is going to have a little bit of ownership. But if you're just looking for the, the kind of the guy who rates out as the best point per dollar play in there, it's hard to argue against him. Yeah, and then I uh, got uh, SF Bay Chiefs. Um, he wanted to know about Brian Harmon, my guy. Uh, do, you, <laughs> do you like him at all? I, I am not on Harmon this week. Uh, I like him a little bit. The ball striking's finally turned around, and uh, he's been pretty good here in the past. Yeah, a lot, I mean, certainly guys that uh, that can pop in this range. Uh, I saw some buzz on Twitter today about Patrick Reed at seventy three hundred or at one hundred and fifty to one odds or whatever. Um, you know, maybe after I've been uh, I've been anti Reed for so long that uh, this has finally paid off, but. Um, you know, I don't think I can just magically uh, try going to read 
and have it work out like it did with Woodland the last couple of weeks. So I don't think I'm going to try the pixie dust there with uh, with Reed uh, at 7,300. Uh, we, we discussed quite a few other options. Um, $1,000 cheaper, Thomas Peters. He was everyone's favorite of the Genesis. Played pretty well last week, 6,300. Yeah, I don't mind that in GPPs as well. If you're looking uh, to, to get a safe play down here or a cash game play, you're probably not going to find one. Like yeah, you probably probably have a lineup that you really like those five guys. And, oh, I just need that one guy at 6,500 or something. Um, you know, it, it's, it gets pretty thin. So GPPs, I like the upside for some of these guys. Or you could look to like a Pendrith or something like that. But uh, tough to find a, a safe play down here. Like who's the cheapest guy you would play in a single entry cash game type of build? Probably Keegan Bradley, 69. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of I, – I don't even know. I might not go below Kirk at 7K uh, in a cash game. But uh, tournaments, you know, fired up. Uh, the Mitos and and Herbert and, uh, you know, Peters and some of those guys, uh, intriguing upside for sure. All right, we've got people asking. Dylan Fratelli, there's a name I haven't heard in a while. Saw him getting some buzz last week. Uh, I don't think he played that well, but let me look. Let's see. So he was T22 here last year, uh, T42 last week, playing a little bit better. I don't I don't hate it. He is 6,600 on DraftKings. So GPP, 0.5%. You never know. Those are the types of plays that can sometimes take down the, um, you know, the, the big GPPs. Uh, Wise is a guy that always gets a little bit of traction. We got somebody asking about him as well. We've had a Westwood question uh, after that weekend from Westwood last week. I uh, think I've had my, but Westwood was like second here last year too. He had a really good stretch last year that uh, uh, people seem to have forgotten about, but uh, seems like a lot of these recent tournaments, he had top fives or tens last year. Um, I'm off of Westwood, but that's mainly bias from, from having him in my best, in my best lineup last week. So Anybody else on your radar? Yeah, off of Westwood, off of Wise. I never get Wise right, so I just can't do it uh, when a lot of people are going to be missing greens this week. You got anybody else that we haven't mentioned? Otherwise, we'll call the show. I mean, I don't think so. Poulter is always a guy that you can probably count on to make the cut, especially if the weather gets bad. And the weather probably will get bad, so stay tuned uh, to, to the news for that. Sure Kevin Roth will have his forecast up on Wednesday. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll have to dodge some, uh, some delays, I think in this tournament, but still should be a fun one. Lots of big prize pools out there, lots of money to be won. And, uh, we hope if it's not us, then, uh, maybe it's one of you, uh, winning the money along the way. So, uh, with that, we're going to get out of here for this week. Good luck, everybody for Noto and our producer, Devin. I am Justin. Good luck this week. And we will see you back here next week. Same time, same place. We'll take care everybody. everybody.